Welcome to Texans Unfiltered. And here we go, here we go! A Houston football podcast for your Houston Texans. All right, guys, welcome to another edition of Texans Unfiltered, a Houston football podcast for your Houston Texans. I am Young Ari Gold, and I am joined, as usual, by my friends and co-hosts, Jordan, Texans underscore thoughts, and John Wade, the Garnet Texan. Fellas, how are you guys feeling? I'm feeling pretty good. Got some breaking news, not breaking news, but the NFL, just because just this just happened, but the whole top 100 thing is happening, and Deshaun just came in at number 20. Which is honestly a lot higher than I thought, but sorry, we'll, we'll keep going. That's we could have saved that. We have a whole sec- section. <laughs> That's oh, so I did not disrespectful, know that. bro. That's so disrespectful. We could have saved that. Like yeah. this, this, what what do they call it? The patter where we kind of talk for a minute. Um, yeah. People to get their get their. I just got a little excited. More. That's my bad. I mean, twenty is better than last year, so. But we'll get there. Uh, James doing well. Um, I'm I'm excited about this boat thing. Yeah, it's gonna be dope. It's going to be good. So uh, shout out to Carefree Boat Club, our newest sponsor uh, for Texans Unfiltered stream podcast and uh, website as well soon. Um, we really appreciate you guys believing in us to bring you guys business. So make sure you guys go to Carefree Boat Club. They are in uh, Lake Houston, Lake Conroe, and Lake Travis. Um, it's basically time sharing a boat. You get to use it uh, as many times, well, not as many times, depending on the tier membership you join. Uh, you can take out a boat um, four to six times a month. Uh, on the weekends, weekdays, they have a whole fleet of boats, different boats, pontoons, ski boats, uh, speed boats, uh, all sorts of things. Uh, so make sure you guys check out Carefree Boat Club. Uh, find your local representative. Give them a call. Uh, there'll be an ad mid-roll that you guys will hear later on the podcast. But, uh, yeah, super awesome to work with a Houston-based business. They also have a boat dealership in Houston that they just opened up six months ago. Uh, obviously, during the pandemic, things of that nature we, they thought would be slow, but they are booming because there's nothing else to do right now. And the safest thing to do is to go ride a boat in a lake isolated from everybody and just have fun. So uh, really awesome. So thank you, Co- uh, Carefree Boat Club, and thank you, Troy, over at Carefree Boat Club. Uh, also, where you can find us on Twitter and Instagram, you can follow us at Houston FB Pod. You can follow me on Twitter at I am Young Ari Gold. Don't forget to follow Jordan at Texans underscore thoughts and at the Patrick Storm to follow Patrick Storm on Twitter as well. Please take a minute to follow us. It's the best way to support the podcast. Also, make sure you guys go to TexansUnfiltered.com. I'm writing. Jordan's writing more, but I'm writing too and trying to add to the, 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 the resume a little bit while Jordan just kills everybody at what he does. Um, Amazing stuff. Jordan, what do you got coming up on the website this week? Um, so today I put out a bunch of Whitney Merciless content. I talked about how, you know, maybe he didn't have the most consistent season that fans would have wanted, but there's things that we can do to still help him. And and so I talked about that in the article. And then tomorrow I'll do Watson Watch on the next four games of the 2019 season. I, I forget. I can't remember what games they were talking about, but go check that out. Reviewing the 2019 season, kind of seeing the growth that he's had over his career. And yeah, that's it for this week. Awesome. Oh, great. And then I just wrote about the moment everything changed for this franchise regarding Deshaun Watson. Uh, Jordan and I have the cornerback review coming out literally this week. It's all typed up. We're going to put it up. I know we were supposed to last week. We didn't. Then we'll put up the wide receiver one as well this week. So uh, plenty of stuff to keep you guys preoccupied as we enter training camp. Uh, We are really, really close to training camp. 
Uh, we'll get into specifics later on. Um, and again, make sure you guys like and subscribe to videos. That's why we're here. We need you guys to subscribe. If this is your first time, welcome. Hit the subscribe button. Like the video, whatever you need to do. But this is how you support us, so we really appreciate it. All right. Uh, like, subscribe, and share. Yeah, share and too. share as well. Uh, again, it's not not so much for the clout. It just helps us do bigger and better things the more people that we have watching. Yeah, if you guys want more player interviews and want us to be able to get places, growing our platform is literally the best way for you guys to be able to get those interviews that you guys don't think small guys like us can get. We've shown that we can, so give us more growth, and we'll be able to get more. Um, your boy's a really good salesman. All right, uh, patreon.com. Go to patreon.com backslash Texans Unfiltered. Uh, this week, last last week, we're going to be ending this on Thursday. If you're looking to send something to David Johnson for his Welcome to Houston package, want to tell him about his uh, your favorite bike trail, your favorite thing to do on Sunday, your favorite brunch place, favorite barbecue, uh, maybe a really cool place that he could take his wife in a new city once you know the city opens up, uh, things of that nature, uh, this is your opportunity to do it. So go to patreon.com uh, backslash Texans Unfiltered, subscribe to Tier 3, uh, and you'll be able to add, send, you know, if it's gloves or just anything that you want to send them. Card, uh, pictures of your family, that'd be weird, but, you know, if that's what you wanted to do, cool. Um, but, yeah, so we're putting this together. This ends Thursday. So if you guys want to be a part of this, you guys need to do it. Act quickly. All right. Uh, also, we are putting out our first uh, Patreon-exclusive article this week talking about our favorite Texans players of all time. All right, now let's get back into some other things. Opening game event at Kobo's Q, September 10th at 5.30 p.m. in Atascacita. It is BYOB. There will be social distancing. There will be TVs and projection screens, and we are going to have a freaking blast, okay? We are guaranteed, almost, almost guaranteed, to have at least this one game. So come out, support, hang, chill, just have a good time. Who knows how long we'll have football this season, but come out and have a good time. Um, shirts are on the way. Uh, we have a really cool shirts. Johnson's in the backfield. We're doing a play on Angels in the outfield, but with Duke Johnson and, and David Johnson. Um, so it's going to be really cool. Uh, shout out to D Texan for that. We should have those tomorrow. All right, enough of the plugging. Let's get to the football. All right, Albert Huggins is back, baby. I am a fan of Albert Huggins. I've been a fan. Was a fan last year. I really thought he was going to make the team. Um, Jordan went and looked at his film. I want to know what you saw, Jordan, when you looked at his film. Yeah, so I looked at his – he played four games with the Eagles last season. It was like weeks 9 through 12, something like that. And it was hard to get a good idea of what he was because he would only play 10 to 15 snaps per game. You can't get a good sample size. Defensive linemen, they got to get in a rhythm, stuff like that. And um, But from what I saw, maybe just that he was he was a bit more raw than I honestly thought. Um, I liked him a lot for us during preseason. He made a name for himself in training camp. But for his Eagles game going up against the actual NFL-level competition, not just preseason players anymore, he just looked raw. Um, his run stuffing ability, I wasn't as happy about it. But the thing about that is that the Eagles play a different scheme. They're more 4-3 heavy. We're more 3-4 heavy. Having him as a nose, I think, is better than the 1-3 and three tech that, they, that the Eagles ran him at. And I actually like his pass rushing potential. He showed some nice club swim moves, um, a good bull rush as well occasionally. Um, but it's also just it's just very hard to tell with him because I literally I think it was 44 total snaps across four games. So it just there's not much that you can really get a good idea on. But yep. he's an exciting guy for sure that we got to watch out for. Yep, absolutely. Uh, had, had yeah, a good, he's a. Oh, sorry. Had a good shot last year. Uh, just didn't work out. 
this year kind of a perfect storm given everything that's gone on. Lost to DJ Reader, now lost uh, Vandernos. Um, we're really in a good spot where he has an opportunity to, to probably take Carlos Watkins' spot, if I had to guess, um, and then potentially take into some of the snaps for Brandon Dunn, maybe more on third down. But uh, yeah, it, this is a, this is awesome to have back familiar guy with this with the uh, with the organization. Uh, high upside for an undrafted guy, but you know that's really all you're looking for with an undrafted guy. Yeah, he's a Patriots style pick. Uh, he was a not necessarily a pick because he was undrafted, but he was a prep All American when he, he was in high school. He was an All American. This was a guy that went to Clemson. Did you know he did well? But because he's a defensive lineman that can't rush the passer, he of course fell um, out of the draft entirely. Um, however, every major grading site had him as one of their favorite rookies during last year's preseason, which was interesting when he got cut and now that he's made it back. So who who really knows what's going on um, during practices? Because that is concerning because he was both with the Patriots and the Eagles um, after he left us. Hmm. Yep. I don't know about the Patriots, but the Eagles, it makes sense because they've got one of the deepest defensive lines um, in the league. you got Fletcher Cox, Timmy Jernigan, some other dudes that stepped up for them in the interior. So I get why he got cut from there, but... Yeah, it's definitely important to note. They say the two happiest days of a boat owner's life are the day he buys his boat and the day he sells it. Sayonara, you worthless tub. At Carefree Boat Club, there's a third happy day, the day he joins the club. Carefree Boat Club gives all the without the hassles that turn a day on the water into a real pain in the ass. As soon as it turns over, we'll be on our way. At Carefree Boat Club, use a fleet of boats as often as you like. They take care of the maintenance. You take care of the fun. Water skiing to fishing, whatever floats your boat, Carefree Boat Club's got you covered. It's like owning a fleet of boats with none of the worries. Whether you own a boat or have just dreamed of it, come sample the experience of being a Carefree Boat Club member. Call today to schedule a tour of one of Carefree's convenient marina locations. Make all your boating experiences, water skiing to fishing, whatever floats your boat, Carefree Boat Club's got you covered. It's like owning a fleet of boats with none of the worries. Call 851-2202. That's 851-2202. This is interesting. This is a, this is a really good conversation to have. So players are beginning to opt out. The crazy part about this is that there hasn't actually been a full amendment to the CBA. So they're actually going to have seven days from the day that the amendment is signed for the CBA to actually opt out and sign the clause and get all the support they need. Uh, these players that have opted out already are the ones that are just a, are a little bit ahead of the curve, letting their franchises know, uh, organizations know that they will not be playing this season, that they will be opting out. Um, but there have been, I think, a total of 14 players so far. I think seven of them have come from the Patriots. Six of those players were starters. Um, very, very interesting to see. Only one uh, a notable for the Texans is Eddie Vanderdose, who uh, did play some snaps for us last year wasn't necessarily like somebody worth um i don't want to demean him um uh, really worrying about how about that I, I think that's probably a fair fair way to phrase it what would you say john yeah i mean eddie was he was listed as our starting nose but we all know that wasn't going to happen um and so far he's the only texan but i think it's i think it's early i think that everything that's happening in baseball right now is going to kind of kind of shake some players. I think it's kind of telling that a lot of Patriots who've already gotten their they've gotten their rings, they're smart players, they're veterans, they're they're optimal. So I think it'll be inter 
interesting what happens over the next couple of weeks. I'm still terrified. I'm still not 100% sure that we're going to have football. And I hate saying that because I want football. I really want football. And I'm not trying to be a negative Nancy on this. But I think that it's going to be becoming more and more common, and I think we're going to start to see some changes to the CBA to, to address it. Some of the things that we had talked about a couple of weeks ago, like even bigger rosters are probably going to happen. Yeah, um, just really quickly, I saw, I forget which report it was, one of, whether it was Rappaport or Schefter or someone, someone with, someone with those big names, they said that the NFL, they've, like, they've heard of a lot, they've heard of, the word was dozens, dozens of more players have been opting out and just like the transaction wire just hasn't been updated and everything hasn't been made official yet, so we're definitely going to be getting a lot more names soon. Yeah, I agree. I think it's kind of just a sign of what's to come, to be honest. Um, you know, and these players, they have families. They have, you know, who knows what else, what else they have with their families, you know, people with diseases and things of that nature. We don't know the actual information to to properly judge them, not that we should anyways. Um, but, you know, they're people, so they have other things going on outside of football, and family is always going to come first, even when you're making millions of dollars of anything. That's the one thing I've learned from this is, you know, these players are really, you know, while they are, you know, some are, I think Dante Hightower is missing out on, like, like, 18 million or something, something stupid. Uh, that should tell you just how important family is to people. And that's just not about football. So, um, yeah, kind of crazy. Uh, all right. So that brings us to the next point uh, about the Patriots. My theory, this is just my theory, is Bill Belichick does not expect a full season to happen. And he is letting them know ahead of time, look, don't come risk injury. Don't come risk getting hurt. We're probably going to make it week four, week five, and the cancels, the season's going to be shut down. Stay home. I mean, look at the players that he asked to do this. We're talking about Dante Hightower, who is their leader on defense. Patrick Chung, second leader on defense. Marcus Cannon, their most significant tackle that they have. Um, Brandon Bolden. Like, these are guys that are – they're impact guys. Um, so that's just my theory. That's what I think. Uh, Bill always seems to be ahead of the curve, so maybe I'm giving him too much credit. But um, that's kind of the way I look at it. Jordan, what are your thoughts? Yeah, it's it's either that or tanking for Trevor Lawrence, tanking for a pick. If the if the full season does happen, I think that's what he's hedging his bets on for sure. Like you said, Bill Belichick is always ahead of the entire NFL. And, yeah, it's not like the Pats are just losing their version of Eddie Vanderdose, right? That's like three, four starters that they've lost now. So even with Cam Newton, with all the losses that they've taken, it's not their chances are not looking good. Yeah, we thought Bill O'Brien was ahead of the game, and, of course, Belichick's going to one-up him. <laughs> yeah. Every time, every time. Um, so I see in the chat that Brandon Cook's you heard that Brandon Cooks is one considering opting out. That's crazy. I haven't I haven't read that or heard that. Do you have a link on where you where you saw that at, or or unless it's a source, if it's a source, you know, respect that source. But if you could tell me Houston Texans talk where you saw that, I'd love to I'd love to go check out that article too. Uh, all right. So Patriots. Okay, three Texans in the top 100. Laramie Tunsil, 66. I thought that was kind of disrespectful. Um, J.J. Watt, 45, I actually think that's too respectful. And then Deshaun Watson at 20. That is – I don't think that's fair. I know you guys think, you know, that it's pretty good compared to last year. I, I think when you're at that good at quarterback, you should be a top-ten player. But 
that's just me. Uh, what are your guys' thoughts, John, on where where the Texans were ranked? I guess start with Laramie. Well, I think that there's like an automatic tax or no tax a handicap by being a Texan. Um, just smaller fan base. A lot of these players did not grow up watching the Texans. Um, granted, I mean now more more and more are because we're 20 years old, but. I think there's a little bit of that. We don't have the national media coverage. We don't. When they get home at the end of the night and they turn on the Sunday night game, we're almost never on it. So I don't think players watch us. I think that's just a part of it. JJ, of course, gets a little bit of a bump because of name recognition. I think that 45, I think production-wise when JJ was on the field, he he was better than that. However, you have to take account for injury. Tunsil, he was underrated, and I absolutely agree with you with Watson. Watson should this season be top three for the MVP. Granted, MVP might as well be the quarterback award, but Watson just, he's the engine that makes the whole team go. And since we've had him as a quarterback, it's the only bad season Bill O'Brien's technically had as a coach where we fell apart. Granted, we lost everybody to the IR that year, not just him. But Watson, as long as we have him, we have a, we're a Super Bowl contending team. And without him, we're probably not going to make the playoffs. That's how big of a swing, which you would think at very least would put him in top 16. Um, but top 20 is much better than he got last year. Yeah, I think he was like 50th, something around there. Because they said he went up like 30-something spots, which is crazy. That's a great improvement, and at least they're recognizing that improvement. And I guess my problem with these lists is always just like it's hard to like define like what the actual like parameters are. Like top 100 players of the last season, like is that based off production? Is it based off of like their actual talent? Because like the J.J. Watt example, like yeah, he did not produce up to the 40th whatever place person, but everyone knows when he's on the field, he's a top 10 talent in the entire league. So it's just always hard. Like, there's a bunch of other players on the list that are high up on the list, but it's based off of their previous year's reputation. It's guys like Todd Gurley, Jarvis Landry, someone tweeted at me with those couple names. Like, And then there's also, like, Ryan Tannehill, who's an example where, like, you're really basing all this off of just, like, his one breakout year. So I don't know. I don't really love these lists whatsoever, but it's great to see that some Texans are getting respect. Some definitely need more. Laramie Tunsil, I think, deserves to be in, like, the top 30-ish that around, around that area and the thing about him that was that made me feel better about it was at least that he's in the top three of, of the tackles so far it's only David Bakhtiari I can't pronounce his name right whatsoever but he's the only tackle above Tunsil at least as of yesterday um, so that's good that he's at least getting that recognition yeah I'm sure Stanley if he hasn't already placed will be up there but um all right, so yeah, I mean, Lermy, you know, he deserves to be a top 30 player, top 40 at least in my opinion. Uh, JJ, I don't think he deserved to be on the list. And then um, Deshaun, I think, should be a top 10. Plays the most important position in all of sports, is extremely good, and has shown that he's just developed and grown. So um, I don't really like these lists either, though, Jordan. Like, I feel like they're more of like a talking point. Um, it really doesn't. I don't know. Doesn't do anything for me. I don't even tweet about that stuff. I, I think it's kind of dumb to be well, honest. Um, this one is supposed to be chosen by the players, so the players 
you would think would actually know who the good players are, but I, it's a lot of it's reputation. I mean, there's 32 teams. And think back to even when you played ball. Um, at any level, you couldn't name everybody on every team in, even your, in your own league. So it's a lot of it's just reputation. Hmm. Yeah, uh, I think it's yeah, I think ahead. it's to get away from like because even like the NBA awards and other sports leagues awards like all NBA team, all NFL team, whatever, they all get scrutinized because it's just these from these media reporters and then some coaches and whatever. But it's never the players. It never has the players' input, and so they always get scrutinized by people. And so I guess this is the NFL's version of trying to be different, trying to do something else, and get put the power in the in the players' hands. So, and at the end of the day, it's the players that are going up against the other players. So of course they're going to know who's really the best. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, all right, let's get to uh, if we're worried or not about Deshaun Watson's comments when he talked with Michael Vick and he com- talked about Patrick Mahomes' contract and his contract. I'll read to you uh, this beautiful transcript that was done by somebody. It was probably John, but it was great. Um, Deshaun says he, Mahomes, feels like that organization and himself can win a lot of championships, especially being with Andy Reid and things like that. He feels like that is his home, where he wants to be for a long period of time. He has that solid background where he can trust and know. And I know a lot of things change in the NFL all the time, but I know this is going to be my core, of, um, or this is going to be the core of the organization, solid. My situation, I don't want to say anything too crazy. It's different than his. Signing a deal for 10 years, you know, I have to speak with my agent on that, sit down and think, what do I want in my career? Where do I want to be for a long period of time? I love Houston. I love the organization. I love the teammates and all the players. But all that stuff is always changing. Yeah, I'm excited about it and have been talking to my agent about it each day, trying to get exactly what we want and make sure it's the best deal because things change so much. So you've got to get everything you can out of that first contract. Jordan, I'll let you kick it off. Um, I think there's obviously some some keywords that you could pick out and cherry pick and make it sound like he doesn't love Houston, he doesn't love Bill O'Brien. But I think at the end of the day, he is in a very different situation. I think Andy Reid has a better track record as of right now. His history as a coach is more proven than Bill O'Brien, and that's because he's been in the league for more. He's had that chance to show more and show improvement. Um, And I honestly don't think that the Patrick Mahomes deal was good for him whatsoever. I don't think it was good to lock yourself in for that long. It helped the team out for sure. It helped the Chiefs. But as a personal move for him, he's placing a lot of faith in an organization and in a league that, like Watson said, changes so, so quickly. Like no one would have even expected COVID to happen and look how much that's impacted the league. And so stuff like that and just with the amount of player turnover, coaching turnover, executive turnover, whatever, I think Watson is definitely right to have pause and to have concern and not lock him into a, him into a decade-long contract. That's insane. Like, I think going for the three years that he wants, that's the smartest play because he doesn't know who his coach is going to be in three years. Patrick Mahomes is probably pretty certain he's, his, Andy Reid is going to be his coach in three to ten years, but Deshaun does not have that guarantee. And so I think that's where it all stems from. I think he's making the right move, to be honest. John? You know, you know I think it's actually... It's more about the fact that Mahomes has already won a Super Bowl. Um, the way that... Watson worded this, he was very particular with his words. You could almost take it as either A, he was looking to make sure that he was trying to get, you know, the most value he could, or B, he doesn't want to be locked down into a situation where he never gets the opportunity to win a Super Bowl. Um, I think that with Mahomes, him winning that Super Bowl, 
he wants to be a Kansas City institution now. That's that's step number two. He got he got his first one. He got a Super Bowl. So now he wants to be an institution. For Deshaun, he would be afraid of committing for ten years because he wants his Super Bowl. He very much is aware of the Jordan comparisons. I don't think even with this, I still don't think it's about the money. I think that he always wants to be in the best situation to win. And part of it is he's going to have an he wants to be at that table when they hire the next coach. If Bill O'Brien's gone, I think that I think that Watson wants to be listened to. And if he's up there with a 10-year contract, he, his voice isn't as loud, whereas if he's got a two-year contract and he's kind of like, hey, I don't know about this guy, his voice is a whole lot louder. And I think he wants to keep that. And here's the thing. Houston's not letting him go. The city of Houston, I mean, or the franchise is not letting him out of the city. It does not matter what he says and right now. It really doesn't because he's not going anywhere. However, him putting these thoughts out there lets him know that he is more – he's very, very serious about winning. That's his number one concern. And, you know, we get three years from now and they still are in a situation where they're winning. I think that at that point we could be very concerned. Um, you know, initially when I saw this, I was like, Man, this is weird because like I watched the whole thing and like this really doesn't give it uh, a ton of context as, as to like kind of how Michael Vick was talking prior to. But at first it was like, damn, this is crazy, you know. Especially the part like Jordan said, you can take different words and you can definitely make it sound a way that y- you can really make it sound however you want it to sound in your head. It's not it's not cut and dry, and. He is a smart agent. I mean, David's probably the best in the business right now. Um, and when he says that I don't want to say anything crazy, I think that if that part was left out, I don't think anybody would have taken any of this and said really too much about it. But because he made that comment, people kind of hung on to it. It's like, oh, he's thinking other things in his head that he's not saying. And that's where people started to run with the narrative. Um I think he's a smart businessman, and I think he's not letting go of any leverage. I think he's making sure that he is stating what he's looking for, you know, and he's doing it in a very passive way, but in also a very defining way by saying, this is what Patrick has. This is what they've done. I basically want to see those exact same things for me to feel comfortable being here long term. And there's nothing wrong with that. He should want that. Anybody that's ever worked in a, you know, had a job, the more consistent your job is, leadership, employees, things of that nature, you tend to be more successful. It's just the way businesses work. High turnover, usually not the most successful business. John, when you worked at a restaurant or at an amusement park, when you had high turnover, were those the worst of times or the best of times? Far and away the worst of the times. Right. Far like, and away. You're picking up all the slack and you're doing all sorts of things. It's just the way business works. Um, well, there's also a little bit of what's called institutional knowledge. When you – your team is going to step back when there's not stability. Yep. There's going to be, right now, because Bill O'Brien's been there, the guys that are on the practice squad, the guys that are moving up and playing those small role spot role players, they're going to know the system inside and out. When you bring somebody else in, they have to take that into account, and especially if there's a lot of turnover. You set yourself back as a team about three years every time you change head coaches. Now, sometimes you get you get really lucky and you get a coach that walks in and he understands what he can do with that roster right away. Lots of times, like what we're seeing in Bill O'Brien, and it's far more common, you see a 
a coach take a look at that team, and he wants to reshape it in his image. Yeah. No, I, I think another thing that needs to be talked about that people aren't talking about is just change in general, right? Like, in, in, in life, you don't deal with change. Like, a lot of people can't deal with change. They'd rather stick with the complacency and kind of the ride out the wave. Um, but everything changed this offseason. Took away DeAndre Hopkins, added David Johnson, took in Brandon Cooks. You know, uh, everything's dependent on Will Fuller's speed. And, you know, the defense is completely different. New offensive coordinator. There's a ton of change. And usually when that happens, people get uncomfortable because they're having to push themselves and challenge themselves to be better and learn things that they've never had to learn before. They have to be better than what they were. And I think a lot of that has to do with it as well. But, you know, one thing that I've learned about Deshaun and his time here is the books he reads are very telling to me. Um, Servant Leadership, uh, all the John Gordon books, The Seed, The Energy Bus, uh, Undrafted, those books that he mentions uh, all the time on Twitter – that is a very telling sign of who he is as a person. And anybody that knows anything or reads anything about leadership books, you know, change is inevitable and you have to be able to adapt and be flexible. So I, I'm not really too worried about it. He's just stating what he wants, but also, like, he's going to sign a contract. Like, you guys have to, not you two, but just in general, like, people need to understand that if he doesn't sign a contract right now, he's literally under, I mean, under the control of the organization for the next three years. He blows his knee out, tears his Achilles, has another ACL injury. That delays him getting a bigger contract. These young guys come in and want to sign their first contract as soon as they can because it gives them guaranteed wealth. Um, and that's just the way it works. So uh, I'm not worried about it. I think he'll sign a contract here within the next three to four weeks. Any other thoughts on Deshaun? No. Okay, let's get to wide receivers. The position group reviews. Uh we were about to lose a lose a viewer because Mr. Hard A Handle, I actually like I like that handle. That's a pretty good one. Um, it was about to leave us because we were talking about wide receivers. So here we go. The top end of the wide receivers. Uh, we're gonna go in order. I'll take one and then I'll hand it off to you, Jordan, and then to John, and you guys can just go from there. So I'm gonna start with the most important wide receiver on the roster this season. Will Fuller. I think that we have all seen the talent that Will Fuller has. And it's not just his speed, it's his crisp route running, his ability to get separation. Um, he, he's shown last year some contested catches. Um, he, he's just a very, very good wide receiver, like a very good. If, if healthy, I think he is a wide receiver one. If, if he would have been able to stay healthy the entire time he's been in the league, I don't think there's any debate. He's a wide receiver one. Are we all in agreement in that? Okay. All right. So only thing that matters with Will Fuller is if he can stay healthy. If he can stay healthy, this this team is going to be a freaking, if we have a full season, is going to be very interesting to watch because they are going to be scoring points left and right. He is, I, I almost think he's unstoppable to an extent because, he, I don't know. I, I, I think Will Fuller is an amazing wide receiver. And I just think when you pair that speed, what was it, like a four- Four three one or something like that, or four three four, some something crazy at the combine. Uh, with his route running, I, I just don't know what else you can ask for. He's got a quick release. He can get physical when he needs to on the line. He's shown that when he wants to do those, uh, you know, uh, under routes, he's able to do those quick. Um, he fixed the drops. Wolfler is the key to this offense being the juggernaut that we all think it can be. 
Are we taking? Are we each taking? Are we each talking about each one? Or are we each taking our own? Ourselves? I mean, we can. We can. It's an open discussion. I don't. I don't know. I was confused. Yeah, go um, ahead. Okay, I guess we'll, I'll go with Fuller. Um, I almost like to say that him and Cooks are like the same person because if you look at both of them, like you're hoping that you can get basically you're hoping to get a full season out of them, like combined. If that makes sense, you're hoping that. Both of them combined can play 16 games, and you can always have that deep threat on the field. And going into the offseason, I, I wanted the Texans to operate like Will Fuller wasn't even on the team because up until this point, he had been on the team for maybe like 66%, if that makes sense. And so they did that. They brought in Brandon Cooks, even if, if it was a high price to pay. That's what people want to say about the trade, whatever. He's on the team now, and we have that second elite deep threat not just a deep threat not just a Robbie Anderson that some people wanted us to sign who was cheaper but in the league one of the top in the league and so I'm kind of gonna jump I'm gonna jumble both of my thoughts for both those guys together because they're super similar they're super similar you have to guard the deep ball first and then if you go if you go an off-man coverage then they're just going to take the easy routes underneath and just feast five yards at a time it'll be so easy for Deshaun and then the route runner you talked about, they're both very, very underrated route runners. They're not just deep threats. They are complete receivers. They've each been wide receiver ones. I guess Fuller hasn't, but they both have the potential to be wide receiver ones throughout their entire career. And they've also, they're also electric with the ball. I think that's another thing that we've never really had in our offense is yak guys. Um, Brandon Cooks is very good at that. John's talked about it a lot as He's a pretty gadgety guy as well. They, they're going to do some jet sweep stuff with him. Maybe now not so much with his concussion, but we'll see how that goes. He has at least the potential to be that threat. And so I'm, I'm very high on both of those guys. I think now that we have two, the offense is not going to change when one or the other is out of the as out of the offense. The scheme will always be, we have a deep threat, it's fine. We can be creative, play action heavy, whatever Bill O'Brien wants. And that's really where the value of those two guys comes in. So I'm excited to see them play. Jonathan. Um, well, to get back to Will Fuller, um, yeah, he is arguably one of the most important receivers in the NFL this year, I think. However, we have more depth. And this is going to sound contradictory of what I'm going to say. We have more depth than we've ever had, but with Will Fuller on the field, our offense has a much, much higher ceiling. Like, I don't think the drop-off, like, we're not going to drop to a bottom of the league offense if Fuller gets hurt again because they're actually protecting themselves from, you know, when he's going to get hurt. Um, but here's the thing about Fuller. We've said it and we've said it a million times, and most people don't listen to us, is he's not just a deep threat. He's really not. He is almost unguardable when he's healthy. His ability and as smart as he is, He's faster than you. He knows where he's going, and he's able to disguise his routes, and he's able to run a full route tree. He's not just a deep threat. The only issue he has ever had was he would body catch, and it showed up again on the Chiefs game of all games, um, of course, against the one, the one that we win. But that's it. His hands were the only issue, and they were never really an issue with him in the NFL. He's had a couple of key drops in his career. However, but when you look at it overall, like his drop rate is minuscule. I mean, it's not DeAndre Hopkins. DeAndre Hopkins was just obscene. The second part about it, though, is, yes, he is that good and he is that valuable. But 
the team is way deeper than it has ever been at wide receiver. First off, we lacked big play ability last year when Fuller got hurt. Part of it was Kenny Stills. He's not quite as fast as as Fuller. However, he never had the chance to develop any chemistry at all with Watson, and you could see it play after play after play. Watson, if he has a fault, I'm not even sure it's a fault, once he develops a wide rec- chemistry of a wide receiver, they're golden. So he had that with Hop, he had that with Fuller. If he doesn't have it, he doesn't really tend to force it, whereas when he has it, he will throw the ball blind to them. Um, so we are kind of protected with Fuller, and now because Stills has now spent the whole summer, and we'll, we'll talk about Stills as an individual here in a second, but we're now protected if he gets hurt because Stills will be able to slide into that role. I don't think Cooks actually does. I actually disagree with that. Cooks will be more of the gadgety player. Cooks, if you look at last year, he played more slot once, uh, um, what's his name? Uh, Cup. Once Cup, is it T-Cup? Little Cooper T-Cup. Cup. Cooper Cup. Once he got hurt last year, Cooks was the guy they moved into the slot. Um, he is a gadget player. He can take that short ball. Yeah, he's very capable as a deep route runner, and that's whenever you think small, fast guy, you think deep route. But Cooks was also that gadget slot player. So, yeah, we have a deeper, deeper, deep, deeper team, and I guess we'll use that as a segue into Cooks. Um, with Brandon Cooks, I think that it's going to be end up being a steal for us when you look at the end-of-the-year stats. If he gets a fraction, or not a fraction, if he, I'm not going to say hop-level targets because that's not going to happen. But if you take Brandon Cooks' season averages every season, including last year, and you gave him the same target share, um, the same hog rate as DeAndre Hopkins. Like Brandon Cooks would be talked about in a whole in a whole different um, breadth. Like right now, he's considered a tier two receiver, and he's done this on teams. A yes, he's played with fairly good quarterbacks, but he's also played with some really really good receivers. So it makes you kind of forget how good Cooks is. The only concern I have about Cooks is what is it about him that he goes on a team and they want to trade him every other year. Uh, that's honestly my biggest concern with him. Yeah, I think I think Cooks and Fuller. I think Jordan's. On, I mean, spot on. They're identical players. Um, they do everything almost identical. Um, I think if I had to tip the scale on route running, I'd probably give it to Will Fuller over Brandon Cooks just a little bit. Um, and that's not taking anything away from Brandon Cooks as a as a route runner. I just think Will Fuller. I think Will Fuller is a very very crisp route runner, and I just. People think he just runs streaks all day, and that's the part that that's the most frustrating. But um, with 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 Brandon Cooks, you basically and Jordan touched on this as well. You now have an insurance policy, and we saw last year what happens when Will Fuller goes out, the offense stalls. You don't have anything else going. You're averaging 16, 17, 18 points a game. You can't win games scoring that much. Now with Kenny Cobb and uh, Cooks, there's no drop off. Uh, somebody can slide in. You have three guys that could potentially play that role at any given time. If you have all three on the field, which I do think we will see, good luck. I don't know what you're going to do. I really honestly don't. If Kenny Stills goes out and runs a post and lined up in the slot and Brandon and Will are on the outside running streaks, I, I mean, what are you going to do? <laughs> There's only so many safeties and corners. Like, you're, you're going to have to make a decision. And if Deshaun makes the right one, somebody's open. Um, so I, I think it's going to be really interesting to watch. I, I think the team has a ton of potential on wide receiver. This is definitely the deepest it's ever been. 
There is no clear-cut number one, which I know bothers people for some reason. Um, I think it's because that's the NFL you've grown used to. When you play Madden, um, you have your star wide receiver that you target a bunch of times. It's just what we know. Uh, but there are a ton of teams and a t- uh, ton of examples of Super Bowl winning teams and successful teams in the NFL that don't have that number one guy. And uh, I, th- I think this group effort is going to work. Uh, let's get to Randall Cobb, who is the first and only real slot wide receiver that Deshaun Watson has had. Uh, Deshaun is great in the middle of the field. Randall Cobb is a very, very underrated slot wide receiver coming off of, I guess, technically a down year in Dallas based on what he did in Green Bay, had some drops, but the Cowboys just caught the drops all of last year. Dak doesn't throw a pretty ball. Um, This gives him a reliable option underneath that he's been missing for quite some time outside of, you know, Duke Johnson when he lines up in the slot. Um, He had some stuff with Bruce Ellington, but I I really think that when you look at the offense and the way that it's been built over the years – I've said it for a long time. Um, the the slot wide receiver for this offense is an extremely important role. It's kind of the one that makes everything go. If you have that guy, which we never have, it opens everything else up, especially when you look at the matchups. You have Cobb in the middle, Fuller and Cooks on outside, Duke or David on in the backfield, Aikens, Fell. I mean, there's just so many different things that you can do. And there's so many different ways that you can line up in a formation that will just make things somewhat confusing for opposing defenses, especially if you can line up in the same formation, which they tend to do, but do different things. Everybody else has different responsibilities. Um, I really like the addition of Randall Cobb. I really don't, I'm not one to put like uh, a big thought into what a wide receiver gets paid um, or, you know, a third guy gets paid $9 million. I really don't see a difference between $9 million and $7 million. Uh, if, if $9 million guarantees you you get your guy over $7 million hopefully getting your guy, I'm totally fine with that process. I'd rather have my guy and know he's here for $2 more million. Um, but I'm really excited about Randall Cobb. I don't think people expect are, are expecting much out of him, but I think they're going to be shocked. Yeah, I guess I'll go. Um, I think for me, I was Cobb was the one guy who I was a little bit more skeptical of when we first signed him. But watching the film completely switched my, my idea on him. And what I was worried about is that is like how we're going to use him basically. And James said it right. Like the slot wide receiver, like in the in the Patriots offense, whatever, Amendola, Edelman, um, Wes Welker, all those guys, they always are the key to Tom Brady and that offensive success. And if you look at our slot wide receivers since Deshaun's been here, Bruce Ellington, eh, okay, he's probably been the best one we've had so far. But then Braxton Miller, Kiki QT, DeAndre Carter, just guys who have never been able to put it all together. And now you've got Randall Cobb, who that's all he's done. It's just been a consistent dude his entire career. And what I like about him is he can – we can use him in different ways. We can ask him to be the guy to win over the middle of the field on slants and drags, quick curl routes, like he's been in Green Bay. Or we can be he can be that gadget guy as well that we just hand him the ball off on jet sweeps or get the ball in his hands on screens. Or he can be a little bit more of a vertical option like he was in Dallas. He had a career-high yards per reception of 15.1. And they weren't just running him over the middle of the field. They were running him on streaks. He got deep a lot, and Dak missed him a lot as well. He could have had more. Um, so I'm really excited about that. And then just going back to like the whole veteran slot wide receiver thing, I just thought about it is the biggest thing about the, the slot wide receiver is they need to be smart. Just like um, when Crow said, Antonio Camargo said, nickel corners need to be smart. It's the exact same thing with slot corners. Yep. And one of the biggest things with slot 
sorry, slot wide receivers. And the, one of the biggest things with them is on blitzes. Deshaun has been killed by nickel blitzes. That's kind of the narrative around one of his weaknesses in the game. And for nickel blitzes, it's your nickel wide, it's your slot wide receiver who has to realize the blitz is coming and has to realize that he's hot. And I don't know how many times I could tell you that freaking Kiki QT just completely missed that he was the hot read. So many times, and they got Watson screwed because he's looking at QT. He knows the blitz is coming, but QT's not looking back at him, so he can't just throw him the ball. And so Cobb's always going to know that once they get their chemistry down pat. I'm really excited because he could put up some serious numbers. Yeah, that was arguably the biggest difference between uh, Kiki last year and the year before. He recognized when he was the hot read. Um, Those games that he had a billion receptions against, you know, the Colts, um, the Redskins, and the Colts again, it was because he knew that the ball was coming to him. This year, he, or this past year, in 2019, he just didn't seem to know it at all. I think that because of the importance of the slot, I think that's the whole reason Randall Cobb, that's part of the reason why Randall Cobb is here, is first off, what we ask of our slot receiver, it's probably as much as a lot of teams ask of their quarterbacks. Like, it's that much knowledge and that much feel for the game, especially since we use the concepts and we don't, we use concepts instead of plays. Um, with that, you bring Cobb in. Cobb is very cerebral. He played quarterback in Kentucky. Like, he played quarterback, running back, wide receiver. He was literally one of those slash-type players. It's just like you gave him the ball any way that you could. People forget how good of an athlete he is. He wasn't just a slot receiver in Green Bay. He played inside, outside. He had, I believe, two years in a row where he was over 100 receptions. That's insane. And granted, he had Aaron Rodgers throwing it to him and Jordy Nelson on the other side. But, I mean, he put up some serious numbers with a very talented offense before. He comes down here to Houston, and he's a great fit because, A, Watson plays the game a lot like Rodgers does, that kind of freelancing, look for, make something happen type style, Um, not necessarily looking to run the ball, but looking to move around in the pocket and just make something happen time and time again. And Cobb can, you know, can kind of teach him a little bit of what he learned from, from Aaron and maybe not even teach him. It's just like, hey, this is where I'd go when Aaron would do this and vice versa. And then on top of that, I think Cobb is part of the reason why we're not going to give up on Kiki Kuti is he's going to start teaching Kiki. Like, I think that he's going to be that bridge to say, hey, man, this is what you have to watch out for. Because, I mean, Kiki still has a – I think he still has a lot of talent. I think that he still could be a very successful receiver in the in the NFL. And he's only on year three. I mean, he's still young. Um, all right, so Kiki – I guess we'll get to Kiki. Nah, let's get to Kenny. Let's let's just give it to Jordan. Talk about your boy. We're gonna let you have this segment. Kenny Stills, your guy. Um, I'm a big fan of, uh, but I'm gonna let you take this moment and ride off into the sunset a little bit. Yeah, Kenny Stills. He's definitely my guy. He's become my one of my favorite players for sure on the Texans. I love who he is as a person. I love his game on the football field. He's someone who you can literally ask him to do anything. Anything you want him to do, he can play outside, he can be a deep threat, he can play outside, he can be a great route runner and a chain mover for you, he can play in the slot, go deep, run over the middle, whatever you want, Um, he can even take screens, jet sweeps, we even ran with him earlier in the season, he can do whatever you want, and he's someone who's been underrated, underappreciated, and underutilized his entire career. With the Saints, he was always behind Marquise Colson, and then Brandon Cooks, and even Jimmy Graham got more targets than him. 
And then move on to the Patriots, he blows up there. Move on to the Rams, he had that, those great years there. And then just this past season, I think what we saw that went – who am I thinking about? I'm thinking about Cooks. Sorry, excuse me. Um, Stills, back to Stills. Um, what was I going to say? Yeah, so the, the whole thing about chemistry with him and Deshaun, we saw throughout the season that – at least I saw that there were there were a couple plays here and there that Deshaun would miss him on the deep ball. That was the main thing. He would be just a couple inches out of reach. And we saw that early in Deshaun's career with Fuller. It took some time to get things going. He would be overthrowing him, underthrowing him just a couple times here and there. And the same thing with Stills. you got to get that chemistry down because they had no time to practice. And like we've reported before that they've been practicing every single day together. They are best friends. He, Kenny Stills is Deshaun's go-to guy now. And I... I really want him to take over that role of wide receiver one, wide receiver two. I don't think he should be buried on the depth chart. I don't think he should be wide receiver four. He's way too talented for that. But we'll see how that ends up going. Um, the other thing about him is because he's so versatile, because he can do everything, he's the ultimate insurance policy. We talked about Brandon Cooks being an insurance policy for Will Fuller. Kenny Stills is an insurance policy for every wide receiver we have on the field. Fuller goes down, Stills can run, can play that role. Cooks goes down, he can play that role. Cobb goes down, he can play that role too. You put him wherever you want and he's going to succeed. And I I just love Kenny Stills, man. I, I can't get enough of him. I hope he gets a bigger role this year. Um, so with with Kenny, I I think I think Kenny is – I think he has a chance to be a, a number one wide receiver. I think everything is about opportunity. He has all the tools to be a number one wide receiver. He's just never really been given the opportunity to do it, no matter where he's been. Uh, whether it was in New Orleans, you know, they, they kind of had, what, it was ten, Ted Ginn and I think on the latter part of Michael Thomas's uh, rookie rookie deal. Um, and then he went to Miami where, you know, who's going to throw to him? Um, and now he's here, and I think he has a chance. Um, my only concern with Kenny, and I, I don't know if it's been talked about, but I, I'm I, I'm wondering if he'll opt out of the season. Um, I... Everything that's going on, the the one person on the team that's been in the front lines for everything else that's going on in the world outside of the pandemic as far as, like, uh, Black Lives Matter and uh, the movement of everything else that's happening with social injustice and, and oppression and just everything, uh, he's really, like, the main cog in almost all of it. And, you know, we've heard NBA players that didn't want to play. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Kenny Stills was one of those guys that did it. Um, but that's just like speculation. He's just when you watch him in interviews, when you watch him with Deuce Amaro, he only thing he cares about is that doesn't seem like football is even a, a, a thought in his mind. To be honest with you, um, so I don't know. Just just throwing my two cents in there. I'm not saying he is opting out. I'm just I wouldn't be surprised if he does. I don't think anybody would be. I wouldn't be surprised, then I wouldn't blame him. Yep, same. I'd be totally fine with it. I mean, I, I'd love to have him, but. As selfish Texans fans, yes, I'd love to have him because I I think we're all in agreement. Um, you can listen to last year's shows. Me and James were very, very high on him when he came over in the tunnel. We didn't consider him a throw-in. We were excited about him. We were one of the few places that you could listen that were actually excited about him. So, obviously, we love Kenny, but stand with him no matter what he decides to do. If he can make the world a better place, I'll take that over an NFL season. So, uh, I guess to put it into perspective. So, all right, uh, Kiki QT and Isaiah Coulter. I guess we'll kind of bunch them in together. Um, and DeAndre, those three guys. Um, to me, I think, and I guess Tyler Simmons. I don't know. Like, do we want to? Okay, I guess we can't really do them all together. So Kiki, 
I don't know if he's on the roster. I don't know if he's on the bubble. I think he's close to being on the bubble. He's worked a lot more this offseason than I've seen him do in the last two years. He's posting videos on a regular occasion of him working out. It looks like he's taking it a little bit more serious. It's never been about talent with Kiki. It's always been in between the ears. And, uh, you know, if he's able to go out on the field and be consistent. He hasn't shown consistency since he's been here. You have to wonder if this will be the season. But then you also have to wonder if he's going to have an opportunity to show the consistency. With Randall Cobb on the team and making $9 million, I don't know if Kiki's going to have an opportunity to really shine. Um, but I also think that if you lose Randall Cobb, you want to have, you'd rather have Kiki or than DeAndre as your backup slot wide receiver in hopes that he reaches that potential. Um, Isaiah Coulter might, might end up being a practice squad guy, especially now that there are four protected spots. Um, there's a good chance that maybe they redshirt him. Um, I'd like to see him on the field. I really like what Isaiah brings to, to this team, but expecting a fifth-round rookie to do much, especially with the depth at wide receiver, is going to be very tough. Kind of look at it like a Kahale wearing situation last year. Um, and then DeAndre Carter, it's going to all come down to Tyler Simmons. If Tyler Simmons can beat out DeAndre Carter for the punt return and kick return uh, position, then I think Kiki's job is safe. If Tyler Simmons can't beat out DeAndre Carter, then I think DeAndre Carter ends up taking that back, backup slot in Kiki's role. He's cut. So I guess that's all of it, my four wide receivers in a nutshell. You know, I think it's very interesting, Mike. This would have been a fun camp to watch because we do have a couple of players that – I think that Kiki's in that position that Deontay Foreman was last year. He better come out to training camp and he better show something because Bill O'Brien's going to be all up in him. Yep. If he goes out there and he shows something, then he's safe. If he goes out there and he and he wilts and he, you know, gets run over by a defensive lineman, like, you know, somebody did last year, it's he won't be around. And the sad part with the way everything's going, and I mean not sad part, but it just kind of stinks that we won't be able to watch that because we would be able to call it after, I promise you, after two practices, yep. what's going to happen with them. Um, still, like I said, think the absolute world of Kiki. I think he has all the talent in the world. I think he could be very productive. He has that short area quickness. He has the ability to actually run deep routes out of the slot. Like he could be a very good player. However, it's between like it's definitely between the years, and it will not surprise me one bit if he gets cut, goes over to the Niners, and then something very well, doing very well over there because Wes Walker's there. That's the boy. Um, Isaiah Coulter, Coulter, Coulter. No, I have to trip over somebody's name. Of course, it's going to be a relatively easy one. Um, he's he's fun. He's he's a guy that, of course, he was drafted, so he has that advantage. He has a size speed mix that that you can't find out on the street. There's not another player on a practice squad or something like that that's going to have his mixture of size and speed. That's why he got drafted. Now this year with that four protected spots, I think James nailed it. Like. That makes way too much sense because he's so raw and our wide receiving core is so deep that I think that that Isaiah Simmons actually has a better shot at making the team than, than Coulter. Tyler. Um, Tyler. I'm now mixing up their name. I'm, I'm just done. Um, but Tyler Simmons, I, he's, he's a fun player. He is absolutely a ton of fun to watch, but he can't run around to save his life. And Georgia actually has the ability to develop receivers. So the fact that he can't run a route, when you compare him with um, Riley Reed. Riley Ridley. <laughs> R- Riley, damn it. 
what is with me? Jordan, All right, Jordan, you'll you'll start to learn that uh, that John and names don't go together. You know, I I, get, I start to think, and I get all the names all mixed up. But if you compare them, Ridley to Simmons, same school, same age, and look at their ability to run routes. Now, Ridley's older brother, of course, played football as well, so maybe that was the one thing. But that is very concerning about Simmons. But Simmons is a hell of a lot of fun. He's going to be a he's going to be a spark plug as a returner. Eventually, I don't know if it'll be this year or next year. Yeah, y'all said pretty much everything that I could have said about those guys. So the one point that I'll add is it, it's a veteran's year, right? And I think wide receiver is the one group that we're going to see that a lot about. If you look at the wide receivers that we brought in with Coates and Cobb, and then even from still last year, Brett, sorry, Bill O'Brien, he wants talented wide receivers, but he also wants smart wide receivers, we talk a lot about his offense being complicated, whatever, with, with all the option routes. And, yeah, it's complicated, but its potential is sky high if your quarterback and your wide receivers can get on the same page and see the same thing um, from the defense. And you got to be smart to do that. you got to be a veteran. you got to see everything that the NFL has to throw at you. Rookies, young guys like Kiki QT um, and Tyler Simmons, they're not going to be on that same level. And so I think that's where, what it comes down to. I think DeAndre Carter is honestly going to be – wide receiver five, he's going to be ahead of Kiki QT. He's going to be ahead of um, Tyler Simmons and Isaiah Coulter. Even though he may not be the most talented out of all of them, he's been in the system for a couple of years now. And when he's been our slot wide receiver, it's been like, okay, you don't really want him there, but you could do a lot worse. And so I think he's definitely a lock to make the roster, in my opinion. I do think, I do agree with James. Coulter's going to get redshirted like Kahale. And I'm really excited about him. I'll touch on him just a little bit because he's the rookie's new guy. Um, he kind of reminds me of Kenny Stills. He's got some speed. It may not be a blazing speed, but he's got good enough speed. He's got good size. He's got great hands. His route running, I like his I like his releases a lot. I think it was just his stems that needed some work, but that comes with time. He's, he's a developmental young guy, and he'll get a lot better, and he's someone who definitely has the potential to do to do anything that we ask of him. So the future of the, the wide receiver position is, is looking good for us. I would agree. Um, I would agree 100%. All right, that's all the wide receivers. Uh, that was a good little position group breakdown. Um, all right. So with that being said, it's time for it's time for questions with Jordan. We need to get like a show music that like I can hit a button, <laughs> a, little intro. a little intro for that. All right, Jordan, take over the show. All right. Okay. So will having guys like Cooks and Cobb help beat defenses like the Chiefs in Baltimore? Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, especially when, like, Baltimore, I don't know. Like, their their defense is, like, for me, it's always, like, I, a Ravens defense always terrifies me, and it's just because of the name. It literally has nothing to do with anything else. I just, every time, I, I assume they're just going to be really good on defense. Um, but when you have guys like Cobb who can work underneath and free up wide receivers like Cooks and Fuller on the outside, um, those two just go hand in hand. So if you're able to free up the middle um, and, and take a couple guys with you, especially when you talk about the backfield with Duke, David, uh, tight ends, I mean, I, I definitely think that those things, those those guys are going to help a ton. Um, I mean, Tyron Matthew got destroyed by Will Fuller. He will get destroyed as well by Brandon Cooks. It's it's not even something to worry about. So, yeah, I, I definitely think that these 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 additions is enough to be able to get us past the two teams. Uh, the defense, on the other hand, when playing those teams, somewhat of a concern. Yeah, definitely. I mean, 
the whole point of all these moves were to develop a chunk offense. These aren't – I think Bill O'Brien's trying to get us away from the slow, methodical drives where we go six, six yards, four yards, six yards, four yards, eight yards, three yards. And, you know, go maybe zero, zero, 20, zero, zero, 30. I, I think we're looking for just more big plays. And that will allow us to keep up with the offenses regardless of the defense we're playing. Yeah, that's exactly – you're exactly right, John. That's exactly what I was thinking. There was two things. So I rewatched the the awful Chiefs game today and just thinking about the Ravens game as well. Two of the major themes that came up for me was, number one, we weren't having any separation from our wide receivers whatsoever, whether it's from the option routes or whether it's from just not being good enough route runners, not being fast enough and agile enough to make good cuts and make good routes. But that's changed with the guys that we brought in. And the second thing you you hit it on the you hit the nail on the head, John. It's exactly that. Watching the Chiefs game back, the biggest thing that stood out to me is how quickly the Chiefs can score versus how long it took us to score. It would take us eight, nine, ten plays. It would take them three to five, and that's it. And forcing Deshaun Watson into these situations where he has to complete eight, nine, ten passes on one drive—that's hard to do against any defense, against the Jags or against the Ravens. It doesn't matter. That's hard because you've got to be perfect eight to ten times on one drive. Whereas Mahomes, he's got to be perfect three to five times. And yeah, they may be deeper throws, but if you're a really good deep ball thrower, it's not that much more difficult for you. And so definitely making – and so the theme of this offseason has been to make it easier on Deshaun Watson, make it easier on your star quarterback. And that's really what these um, additions at the wide receiver room have done. So I definitely think that Cobb and Cooks are going to help us beat those top – tier AFC teams. Real quick, Jordan, um, when you were watching those games, how much separation did you see from DeAndre Hopkins um, in in this on the film? I just I want to make I want to make you say it. So uh, I want to oh. hear from you. Uh, how much separation did you see on film during those two games from DeAndre Hopkins? The floor is yours. He's getting locked up by by freaking Charvarius Ward. Hmm. And the Baltimore corners were good, but he Marlon was Humphrey, very, very good corner. Marlon Humphrey, Marcus Peters, very good corners. But the thing with Nuke is he's never been a route runner. He's never been a separation guy. Nope. Next NFL next gen stats, they always make this. They always track the stat of like average yards per separation. Some something y'all probably know better than me. And he's always near the league low. And people are always like, oh wow, he's so good at contested catches. Then, but do you really want to have to be forced into a situation when you're making so many contested catches? Because it's just not a viable and, and sustainable thing. Like, you obviously you want your wide receivers to be as open as possible, and that's what the new wide receivers that we've got. You know what else helps that. when when you're not making contested catches all the time is you're actually able to add yak to each individual play. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're you're catching those sideline throws that you know the out, quick out routes and and curls and you're I mean you're 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 right there by 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 the um, Sideline, like there's nothing you can do. You can't really go anywhere. But when they're in the middle of the field or they're downfield, like it opens up for a ton of yak. DeAndre is not a yak guy. And it's not because he's not quick enough. It's more because he's really not a great route runner. I mean, he's really not. He's not a great route runner. Um, so, yeah, I just wanted to hear, make sure that uh, we had it on record of you saying that. So go ahead. Yeah, no, the one thing I want to add to that is you talked about yak and – the funny thing is because like the 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 Texans wanted to move Hopkins into the slot, right? They did that a lot more this past year. Fifty-two percent of his snaps were in the slot. 
Yeah. And so that's what some of his of Hop's defenders are saying, like, oh, you moved him to the slot where he's not that good. Of course, he's not going to produce the numbers that he's used to. But Bill O'Brien was was a step ahead of people, and and he knew and he knows that Deshaun Watson he does his best work over the middle of the field. That's where the easiest throws are, and that's also where you're going to get the most yak. And so even when DeAndre Hopkins was put in that position, he's still not picking up the yak. But guys like Cobb, guys like Cooks, they're going to pick up yak a lot better than him, and I really believe in that. But anyways, we're going to move on. Next one from at Dinosaur FN. He says, do you think any of our key players will opt out and which ones or any of our players at all? So he's mainly going off of the COVID stuff, but I think you guys brought up a great point of Kenny Stills. He's, he's going to be the main guy. Um, I'm not going to touch on that too much more since we already talked about it, but out of any other players, I can't think off the top of my head, like no one with like clear like asthma issues or health concerns. Do you guys have any any names? No, um, I can't think of another. I can't think of one player. Um, you know, there's rumors, or not rumors, but there was somebody that mentioned that um, Brandon Cooks is potentially thinking about holding out uh, the season. I'm not sure if that's true. I guess it was posted on IG him with one of the McCordys, but. I don't think there are any health issues. I can't think of anything that's ever come up in the past or, you know, anything that we've ever heard. Um, you know, there's going to be somebody. I just don't know who it will be. I mean, we're not going to, we're not going to just lose Eddie Vanderdose. Like there's going to be somebody else. It's, and there might be multiple, but um, as long as it's not Deshaun, oh, I'm not really too worried. I think there will eventually be enough players that the NFL stops and reconsiders maybe doing a bubble like the NBA and, and like hockey have. Um, I think that, that that's probably the most likely outcome. I do believe that there's going to be more. There's going to be considerably more players than than we know, and it'll be for things that we wouldn't even expect. Uh, their mom or their dad has a health issue. They have a newborn baby. They have a pregnant wife. Um, things like that. That it's not necessarily the player themselves, but the family member that'll possibly be impacted. I think we are literally one more crisis situation away from either. It, if it happens in the NBA or if it happens again in Major League Baseball, where there's a lot of players that will sit there and they'll they'll take a step back. The one thing that the NFL has going for it is their careers are so short. Most of these guys, they average two and a half years. So they don't want to give up one of those two and a half years, especially if other players are opting out because that gives them a chance to get an extra year, to get an extra paycheck. So that's the thing the NFL has going for it. But the guys that will be around for for several years, the guys that – We'll have another contract coming or are pretty close to their contracts. I think we'll see more of those. And, you know, that might be some of the quarterbacks. And at that point, that's when it gets kind of scary. Yeah, I think you made a great point. I, I could see a lot for, like, for um, young kids or a pregnant wife. I, I think that's going to take it, make it be a bigger hit than actual health concerns. Um, I wish we could do a bubble. I wish the NFL could just buy some random island and send all 32 teams there and, and have maybe – one bubble for each like division or each conference, whatever they could make it work. Cause we see the MLB, like the NBA has been great so far. I don't think they've had a positive case so far and they've been really good at reprimanding people who, who do break the rules. Some of the players have left the bubble and, and they've been suspended, stuff like that. So there's definitely, they have a great blueprint on how to do it. It's just going to have to be on a much bigger scale, which I don't think the NFL has time to figure out as of right now, unfortunately. I think they're going to have to buy an island. Like, you can't do bubbles. Like, it's going to have to be, like, the whole UFC joke. Like, there's no way you're going to be able to do a bubble. I mean, I saw one thing today where they basically said, like, take the AFC West and AFC 
uh, East, put them in a bubble somewhere in like Buffalo. Take the AFC North and the AFC South, put them somewhere in the bubble. Um, and then you would play your, your division games like you would normally, and then you'd play two more games against the AFC North, and then, you know, whoever makes the playoffs, then you take those guys, put them all in a bubble, and potentially do it. But at this point, they're not going to be able to execute a bubble in time for the season. It's just impossible. They're not going to be able to lock it down and have that plan. I mean, you saw the investment from the Houston Texans as far as what they put into the into the uh, NRG, the locker room, the face recognition. Like, they're spending a ton of money. Uh, they're obviously trying to avoid anything like that, and it doesn't seem that there's a backup plan for that. I don't think a bubble situation can happen. Plus, you're talking about, what, 53 players, another 20 coaches. So you're looking at a total of, you know, 73 people per 32 teams. Where are you going to do that at? I mean, what's an NBA roster? 13 plus like five coaches. So you're talking about 18 people. That's a lot easier than 73 people per team. They can't do a bubble. Yeah, for sure. I would never say can't because when money's a motivator, they people will figure it out. Well, you, um, you also got to think of what you're going to spend, though. Like there becomes that. I mean, just like a business conversation, if you're spending this much but not making this much. And you're talking about 73 people, like feeding, lodging, training. like And all 32 teams have to train. So you're going to have to have 32 football teams or 32 football fields or at least half and split. Like it's – I don't think you realize like the logistically and cost-wise how much that, that could cost. What's the uh, – the split from their – from each uh, from each team's contract is – or television contract is like $380 million. Mm-hmm. And they're – the cap is 260. Yeah, but they're also losing 120 million. But they're losing 16 games a year. So right. So that's I'm saying that's why, because the TV contract is so valuable. They need the TV money. They'll figure out a way to make it work. I don't think so. Yeah, I think to John's point is like without the TV deal, they're going to lose what whatever you said 500 million. I'm just making up a number at this point. They're going to lose 500 million. If they go through with a, a potential bubble, they might lose like. 300 million, but it's still better than losing 500 million. So they could look at it that way. Yeah, I just don't think that th- this isn't something that they could just throw together. Like when you're talking about 73. I bet they've already got guys planning it. It took them this long to figure out the most basic stuff. That's what stuff I'm saying. They haven't even <laughs> signed the CBA or the amendment yet. Like there's just yep. no way, dude. The NBA took months. Now, it took months. they could postpone until like November, December, then potentially have a bubble. That maybe, but we as far as September tenth, not happening. Yeah. All right. Moving on to the next question from at Barry Allen eight nine nine. He says, "Why do you guys think Duke Johnson has never been looked at as a number one back? He's got a similar build and receiving ability to guys like Alvin Kamara and Christian McCaffrey, yet he's never been the guy." What are your guys' thoughts? We'll go with John first. He must talk shit to a coach somewhere. I I really don't get it. He's Beyond efficient, he doesn't get hurt. He catches the ball. He runs the ball. He's got enough size. I, I honestly, I have no idea. I cannot answer it because it, it's one of those things that we trust. And in, in some regards, we don't bash coaches here as much as others because we do understand that they get to put their full time job. They know more about football than we'll ever possibly know because this is what their lives have built up to. However, sometimes I think that they get so deep in that bubble or so deep in their own knowledge 
did they miss something that's kind of obvious, like, you know, Kareem Jackson to safety? Um, and I think that's kind of the situation with Duke Johnson. It's one of those things that he doesn't click a certain check mark that they want him to click, so they're not going to give him the opportunity, whereas when they give him the opportunity, all he ever does is produce. So it's one of those where I think that they almost have to take a step back and just trust them to touch the ball for a little while. I, I don't – I mean, uh, he's just never been given the opportunity. Like, he's ha- he's been in crowded backfields ever since he's entered the league. Um, I think his rookie season was, like, his only opportunity, and he showed some, but then he got hurt. Um, so, I mean, in this league, like, you, you only really get one moment to really capture that, that – that aspect of, of your potential. And if you can't maximize it, it's very rare that you get another shot to do it. And we're seeing it already here. You know, we make a trade for David Johnson. Like Duke was so efficient last year as a runner and, and a receiver. Like I don't think people realize how good he was actually running the ball as well. Like if you just throw on the film, he was very effective runner, but nobody else seems to think that that's the case. Um, And then, so you make a trade for David Johnson to carry the load on, the running and you know it's just I think it's just bad luck to be honest with you I don't think it's I don't think it's potential or or, or his, him being capable of it I think it's just a string of bad luck to be honest I believe he was number two in the entire league in yards per touch last year it's absolutely ridiculous the only thing that he, Fox that I can ever find that he does not check is you typically want a Belkel running back to be 220 pounds he's 208 207 209 depending on what website you look at. So maybe he's 10 pounds too small. And it may also actually be something else. Uh, he is so valuable in the passing game. He is so valuable as that third down back that if you risk getting him beat up because he's not big enough, in quotation marks, to be the bell cow, maybe that's why. I, I don't get it. Jordan? Yeah, you kind of you stole what exactly what I was going to say, John. There's two things. Is, remember, the first thing is like I think it's based off of reputation and based off of narrative that – that's always who he's been and that's always who he's going to continue to be. And I think that sucks. And I hate that that's a thing in the world, but that's how narratives are. Once someone says something about you, that kind of just sticks and that's how it is. And so the other thing, like John said, is he's physically might not be the most optimal for a bell cow back. You give him 20, 25 carries a game. Is that going to wear down on his body? Is he going to be as effective in the passing game? He's not going to be as fresh when you want him to come in on third down and handle those duties. He's not going to have the same amount of energy like he would be as like a spark plug. Like the way I kind of look at like your third down, like receiving back, he's kind of like your sixth man in basketball. You want him fresh. He, while he could be a very talented dude, he could, he's as talented to be with your starters. You want him to be fresh to come on and, and, um, kind of beat up on like in basketball, it's like your second unit. You beat up on the lesser guys in football. You beat up on like the third down defense that, that's tired and wear down. And then you got this fast dude that no one can keep up with. So. I guess that's kind of where it comes from, but yeah, the overarching like theme is like it's nothing to do with the actual. Talent. He definitely deserves to be a running back one. All the stats show it. The film shows that everything you want to use. All right, so the next and I believe last question we got from at Daniel Blake Hill. He says, "Why did the oh yeah this one? <laughs> Why did the Braves rebuild around pitching prospects and they have arguably the worst three to five SP in baseball? I don't I don't know anything about baseball." Especially when you consider that they now don't have their four as he was DFA'd last night and after getting rock, you said ask anything. Yeah, I, I don't know anything about baseball, so I don't know if it's something Astros related y'all want to talk about or just end it there. Just end it there. I don't know. Just, just end it there. Just Perfect. It there. All right, that's it. Do you want to give a 
it's kind of a nice, a nice little bow tie. Angus Johnson in the chat has, where would you rank the receiving core 1 through 32? Healthy, I'd rank them 1. If I knew they were all going to be healthy, I don't know if there's a team that has a deeper wide receiver core or, or talent. Honestly, I can't think of a team that, if healthy, there are better wide receivers on the team. But we can't count on health, so I'd probably go, I don't know, 10, 11? Damn, that big of a drop. Oh, yeah, I mean, if Fuller, if Fuller misses, um, you know, and Co- I mean, Cooks could get a concussion. Uh, I, know, I don't buy the narrative that, like, oh, he's one concussion away. I, I, but he could get a concussion, miss two games, miss a couple games, who knows. If it's just down to Stills, Cobb, and Coulter or Kiki, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, that is kind of scary. <laughs> I mean, when you think about it, Stills, Cobb, and I mean, it's not as bad as at times last year. If we, it yeah. would still be better than than last year if uh, whenever Hop got hurt, or Hopkins got hurt. Um, you know, part of the thing is the national ranking has us about 16, which to me isn't that they actually think that they're 16th. It means that they have no idea where to put them. And honestly, I kind of agree with that sentiment. Like, you know that they're not in the bottom half. You think that they're in the top half. You just don't know where. So they just kind of end up at 16 when you're going one, two, three, four, because they don't jump to the top. Healthy, I I wouldn't say number one because we we don't get nice things like that. Um, and it might be hard to put a team number one when I can very realistically see us not have a 1,000-yard um, receiver and have a great offensive year. We can have a bunch of people at 600, a bunch of people at 800, and we will have one of the best yards-producing offenses that we've ever had. But there will be a team out there that has 2,000-yard receivers, and everybody will just think they're the greatest thing ever. So I think top to bottom, um, I would actually probably put us at number three. Um, and this isn't just based on potential. This is how they are stepping on the field right now. This isn't taking rookie potential or guys that have ever underperformed. Based on what they've already done in their careers, I say that we have the number three receiving core. Just the depth, the amount of playmakers we have. And with injuries, yeah, we. I mean, when you, you're you going to throw out injuries, then, yeah, we could fall down to number 32. I mean, we could end up with Isaiah Coulter being our number one receiver. You know? I mean, that things happen. It wouldn't be the craziest thing that's ever happened. Our entire receiving group could get um, could get test positive for COVID, and we don't have them for four weeks. So production-wise, yeah, it could turn out horrible. But for the guys that are actually on the team with the quarterback we have, yeah, it should be a top three unit. Agreed. Yeah, I'm with that too. I'm looking at the PFF, who we, we love and hate, but PFF ranks us at number 20. So that's the lowest one I've seen so far. Um, and they give their top threes, Tampa, the Chiefs, and Dallas. And I'm kind of with that. I think they all have their star guys, and then, then they all have a complimentary guy. But like you, like you guys have said, they're not four deep like we are. So if people want to say, oh, if your guys get injured, okay, if Tampa Bay, if Tampa Bay loses Chris Godwin and Mike Evans, they're not going to be top wide receiving corps either. So I don't know. I think I'm, I'm with y'all. I think it's definitely I – would, I would honestly go with number one just because we do have a spread it out type of thing. Like if you look at Tampa Bay, if you're going to double Mike Evans, then it makes it a lot easier. But if you're going to double Brandon Cooks, then you still got Will Fuller, you still got Kenny Stills, Randall Cobb, whoever's on the field. And so – I think I'd go number one with injuries. I'd probably drop us to like five because like it's it's not realistic that they're all gonna get injured. Even if one of them does, if one of Fuller or Cooks does, who are the only actual quote unquote injury prone guys, 
in our wide receiver room. If one of them goes down, then that's fine because we have the other one. Because most of the time, not all four are going to be on the field at the same time anyways. So I, I'm fine with putting us even top five even with injuries. That's fine. Okay. All right. Well, that wraps up Texans Unfiltered this week. Uh, make sure that you guys follow us on all of our podcast platforms and our social media platforms. You can follow us at uh, Houston FB Pod on Instagram and Twitter. You can follow me at I am Young Gold on Twitter and Instagram, I believe. Um, you can follow Jordan at Texans underscore Thoughts. You can follow Patrick at the Patrick Storm or the yeah the Patrick Storm. Uh, on Twitter. Make sure you guys go to our website, www.texansunfiltered.com. Jordan is keeping you guys uh, locked and loaded for everything happening in training camp. Um, make sure that you guys like and subscribe to the video. Uh, and make sure that you guys also go to patreon.com backslash texansunfiltered if you guys are looking to send something specific to David Johnson for his Welcome to Houston package. Uh, and with that being said, I am Young Ari Gold signing off for Texans Unfiltered. We will catch you guys next week. Loved this episode of Texans Unfiltered? We'd love for you to be a Patreon supporter. Your support allows us to provide you with the best Texans podcast possible. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at HoustonFBPod and everywhere podcasts can be found. And join our community on www.texansunfiltered.com or on Discord at Texans Unfiltered. Thank you for listening. Until next time.